All right, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Crack Pit Podcast. And I'm here with a good friend and a mentor of mine, Gary Allman, who is based in the UK and who has been my uh, sleep mentor and sleep coach over the last maybe six or eight months. I reckon, Gary, we've been working together. Yeah, yeah I'd say so. Yeah, been a while. Been a while. And I'm, I basically, I got to know Gary through a friend of mine who you done a seminar for and I got you on to do a seminar for my clients my online clients um and yeah you, you reached out not long after that and you said you had a sleep qualification program that you were running and I was all about it because that's something I know for myself has been a massive issue for years um and anywhere I can learn more about you know improving sleep because fucking sleep super important um anywhere i can learn more about it it's going to be valuable and the seminar you've done for us was amazing and you're also signed up to do some more seminars for that my new clients this year so i'm super excited about that but um gary let's get into it like can you kind of give people a little bit of a background on yourself yeah first off mate thanks for having me on really great to be here love doing podcasts love chatting chewing the fat great um yeah so a little bit about me i i initially started um, my journey in 2017. I was in a corporate job at the time, but I was doing leadership coaching. <clears throat> so kind of got into the coaching niche, really didn't think about it because I was kind of trying to utilize that as a skill for my current job and work my way up the corporate ladder because that's what I felt like success was. And that was my path at the time, you know, nice suit, company car, all that sort of stuff. And um, I really loved it. I loved, absolutely loved the kind of psychology of leadership and how to get people to perform better and how to delegate. And that kind of led me away from um, the mindset of a nine to five employee. And I was in my own time, I was thinking, okay, how can I become better? How can I learn more about this and actually make myself better as a boss and as a senior manager? And I was studying mindset, I was studying performance, I was studying team building exercises, all sorts of stuff. And I absolutely engrossed myself in it and loved it and then I was looking at coaching qualifications to kind of do on the side long story short I did a few mindset ones that were kind of like low ball just to kind of get everything rolling then I went into a proper certification for 12 weeks and did that attempted to build my own business had some initial success because it was new and everyone was excited and oh, Gary's doing this and it's fantastic eventually earned enough money to kind of part ways with my job after about eight months <clears throat> and then um I've effectively burnt myself out trying to do it. And I gained a load of weight and I was working stupid hours. And I thought, this isn't freedom. This is more than I was doing my corporate job. And I was doing like 14 hour days in my corporate job, including commutes and all sorts of stuff. And I was in a bad place then. And I was now I was in the even worse place. And I was like, fuck, I need to sort this out. Like, this is bad. This is not how entrepreneurs work. And anyway, I studied in more performance. I was like, let's leverage what I know look into performance more and how I can become healthier like I used to be a few years back. And um, sleep kept coming up all the time. Sleep was, you've got to have sleep right. It's the foundation of your health. There's no point doing nutrition and fitness if you're knackered and you don't have energy and you're sleeping four or five hours a night. And I thought, man, no one's really talking about this. And then I came across uh, a friend of mine who I'm now, you know, helping with the business and I'm part of his business. And I've amalgamated my brand into that in some way. And um, he was all in on sleep. And I was like, okay, you know, show me what you do. So he, he helped me and, you know, there's no uh, denying it. He, he changed my life. And I've kind of utilized that to my advantage as well. And then, um, 
now I do it with my clients. Lost a load of weight. I've lost probably about 40 pounds now in total. Um, you know, got my strength back, got my energy back. Um, and now I, yeah, like I said, I do the same with clients. I'm under one brand now, which is the sleep performance coach, as you know, Damo. Um, it's been a whirlwind journey. I never thought I'd ever end up in sleep, but it, because it's changed my life, it's something I resonate with so much. And, you know, big shout out to Angus Buckle, if you're listening to this, my friend, because obviously you've helped change my life and there's no, uh shaming me saying that at all you know <laughs> and Damo you know who he is as well yeah. so big shout out to him um and yeah we uh we're building this brand all around sleep now and it's just incredible to see the changes that people go through and obviously Damo you've been a part of that as well so you know thanks for for believing in what we do and actually um putting the putting the work in and getting the results man because sleep is is life-changing for so many people well it is and you just hit on something there as well that it's like no one's no one's talking about it. Well, there's, there's, there, there seems to be little whispers of it. I think. Um, That's it. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, isn't there? there's a few books out there that people are aware of, like Matthew Walker and Andrew Huberman. People know they are because they're big names. But yes. in regards to an actual coach, like sleep coaching, you can name like famous um, sports coaches. You can name um, famous uh, mindset coaches, but sleep coaches, it's, it's just such a unique niche. And I know you're using it with your clients now as well, because it's just such an underutilized thing. So many people need it, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of something I like. I, I run in the gym up until like you know, probably a year and a half ago, and and now working online. Working online, it's 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 very different than coaching people face to face. So you have to kind of like think. Well, I'm I'm not going to be teaching people movement here. So what can I help them with? And it, it was first of all for me, it was just a nutrition thing. But then you start talking with people and it was kind of doing you when you came on and done the seminar for us, that's when it really hit home for me about oh, fucking like he's Gary's right here. My clients, like when I speak to them and I have all the evidence here that they're not getting quality sleep, uh, you know, and it, it's it, it's something I know that I have wanted to get. And by giving up working at the gym, which is a split shift while working very early in the morning, uh, finishing at 12 o'clock in the day, then coming back at four till nine and then trying to wind down. And like, it, it just ruined me. And I, I know yeah. now from moving away from it, I can feel the benefits myself in just getting that extra sleep. It's, it's a fucking game changer. Yeah. So for yeah. me, for my, for being able to coach my clients, it's definitely like, right, we can manipulate food and now we can start manipulating sleep, which is pretty much that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that is all you need, man. That's like human beings are the only species that, that willingly sacrifice their sleep. You know, when we feel tired, well, we won't necessarily go to bed. We'll just lie on the sofa and watch more TV or we'll, we'll make social plans at stupid times when we know that our energy isn't there because we just want to, one, we don't want to miss out. And two, we, we feel like sleep is lazy. But the reality is we've all been there when we're, when we're not energetic and we're tired we're just not our best self. You know, we feel uh, foggy and, the, you know, our mind is cluttered. We feel bloated sometimes if we you know we're, we're um, not allowing our body to recover properly. We just feel lethargic and terrible, but people put themselves through this all the time because yeah. they think they have to, to be successful or they have to, to be, you know, seen as working hard. And I'm sure you resonate with that when you had the gym, like you put in the hours and you're like, oh yeah, Damien's always working. It's like, yeah, but behind the scenes, I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> Bloody odd. Bloody odd. Yeah. yeah. And, 
and, and and let's just dig into that, like you know, that element of like the importance of sleep and what actually happens. What actually? Okay, let's. I'm, I'll, I'll pose it to you this way, Gary. What happens yeah. to someone that sleep deprives themselves for an extended period of time? What what happens? Okay, so let's put it this way. So if someone goes with uh, five hours of sleep for two nights, just two nights, okay, and I was to take their blood sample, their blood equivalent would be that of a type two diabetic, okay, based on two nights of five hours, their blood sugar level would be the equivalent of a type two diabetic. So that shows how the body is affected from a state of stress response, especially glucocorticoids, cortisol, general uh, metabolism and just general blood sugar levels they, they are greatly affected because the body is trying to fight itself into a better state so it's putting more sugar into the body that it has from resources you know it's putting more cortisol in the brain and the body to keep you wired and keep you focused cortisol is obviously related to insulin resistance demo you know that you know fat storage and all sorts of stuff and this is why people who are sleep deprived struggle with their weight they can have the best nutrition plan and the best fitness coach in the world Yes, they'll get some results, but they'll ultimately struggle to keep it long term because their energy isn't there. Their body's just out of balance. So there's that this state of dysfunction. There's also the state of, um, like I mentioned earlier, brain fog. The brain just isn't being cleansed properly. When we're sleeping, the body, what it wants to do is remove toxins from the brain. Now, there is um, obviously the spinal cord located at the base of the skull. And that links up to the top of the brain and it pumps what we call uh, cerebral spinal fluid over the brain and actually cleanses the brain at night. So think of it like a road sweeper. You know, when you look out your window, you see the little brushes going down the road, cleaning all the rubbish out. That's exactly what the body wants to do with your brain. And that's linked to Alzheimer's and dementia. And so if we're not removing those toxins, eventually, you know, our, our memories will start to fade over the years. You know, people go for sleep. Uh, people sorry people who sleep for like five years uh, five hours for get my words out there's yeah. so much going in my head now mm -hmm. five hours for um like you know 10 15 20 years down the line they're really going to struggle to kind of consolidate memories and just be um present and be focused where they need to be because their brain's cluttered all the time it may sound silly but that's just how the body wants to do it that our biology and our physiology haven't changed for thousands of years and the process is the same for every human being Things happen at different times, of course. You know, we all we are all unique, but the process, the core principle of what the body wants to do, science-based, is the same. And we can't be at our best. We can't be productive. We can't be um, sociable. We can't be in tune with ourselves and our, our own thoughts and our kind of logical thinking if we are sleep deprived. We're just engaging the reptilian brain, which is the brain that just helps us survive and just kind of tick us over, you know, subconscious side of it. We aren't engaging logical thinking, so we struggle to learn new patterns because that side of the brain, the frontal lobe, where we do learn new skills, takes up 20 to 25 percent of our daily energy. So the brain isn't going to be using that side of it because it's just too exhausted. So what's it going to do? It's going to resort to what it already knows subconsciously. You know, we don't have to learn how to ride a bike again. We don't have to learn how to breathe again. We don't have to learn how to talk again. So we're just running on that autopilot all the time. If we wanted to learn a new language, for instance, we'd need the frontal lobe to be activated because we're learning a new skill, but we can't because we're tired and we're sleep deprived. And this is the same with any kind of entrepreneurship journey, any kind of general journey at work that we're trying to do. If we're pushing for a promotion, we can't be our best self because we're sleep deprived. We can't be our best self in the gym. We can't learn a new uh, lifting technique. We can't learn a new skill set. We can't upgrade our body and recover because the body just isn't there on um, 
on the level it needs to be. So that's why people who are sleep deprived as well are very, very out of tune emotionally. They're, they're kind of reactive. They're very, very mm. um, negative a lot of the time because their brain is just running on that kind of survival thrive state and it's not learning to think its way out of a situation or it's not learning how to become better. So there's loads to it, man, but that's the basic principle from the kind of the brain and the body state. I could talk about it for ages, but obviously we've got a limited amount of time. So that's yeah. what I just wanted to summarize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's good. it's good. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's awful interesting stuff because, and even what you're saying there, uh, like I've chatted with my mates about, you know, when you have issues in a relationship, whether that's in a friend's relationship or you're more often than your partner, Typically, it's because either you or both of you are exhausted. And like what you just said, like the problem solving, the logical side of your brain just fucks off. And, you know, you just you, you, you interpret something in the wrong way and you react. You know, so, so for a lot of couples out there, if you're having issues, just try and get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. So now, how many times you have a conversation with someone? They go, "Oh, not now. I'm too tired. I can't think like that now." That's an example. But there's people walking around in society day to day being like this. They can't be their best because they're fucking knackered. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's crazy. And you know, you know, then you get these people that you know. Oh, I I function fine on five hours of sleep. I'm okay. I'm good. You know, um, mm. like what? are they functioning okay or are they just fucking fully shite because i know if like like one night never mind two nights one night of only a couple of hours of sleep and i'm i'm fucked the next day yeah look we've all been there man like we can we can in quotation marks function on five hours of sleep you know but functioning is just living like we're not being our best self that's what people think i can function i mean that means their perception is that they're not going to fall asleep they're not going to walk down the street and just fall asleep they can go about their job, they can get up for work, they can do all the routine things that they do day to day because they're not used to kind of learning a new thing. Because one, they don't have time for it, or that's their perception. And two, they don't have the capacity for it brain and body wise. So their idea of functioning is only their perception because they're, they're getting up for work, if they, you know, they're looking after the kids, whatever, coming home to the missus, making dinner, going to bed. That's their routine. And they're like, oh, I can function on five hours, I can get through that, that's not too much because I'm used to it subconscious brain perpetual cycle habits you know we we don't have to think about our habits you know we we know what we need to do day to day but if we want to learn something new that's where the sleep side comes in and that's where we can become our best selves so when people say i can function on five hours what they really mean is i can just do what i'm used to without doing anything out of the ordinary that's what they that's what they mean that's it yeah you, you don't know what you don't know exactly yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's your, that's a hundred percent because I've had like we're working with one of my clients and fixing up her, fixing up her sleep. She's like, stop drinking alcohol and all the, a few extra bits and pieces like she done herself externally without my prompting, but she's like, Oh, I, like my sleep was got good joining a program, but it's gone to a whole new level. And for her, it's allowed her to get a new job and get into a role that she really wanted she said in the last four or five months life has just clicked for her and yeah. you know i'm gonna i will put that down to her improving her sleep nothing else to do with the fitness but just the sleep because that was a massive area that we focused on and yeah those were the results yeah 
it's epic, man, because she, she's probably in a position now where she wants change, mm-hmm. but because she's got the energy, when she goes into those old bad habits, she's like, actually, let's look at this logically, because I've got the energy now to engage that neocortex frontal lobe of my brain. I don't need to do this. I don't need to have a glass of wine. I don't need to order a pizza. You know, it's my it's my habits and my old routine taking over, which I can now think my way out of because I'm not so fucking tired all the time. And that's why that's how you break the cycle. You you can get you pump the brakes, you engage that side of the brain, but you only get that from being uh, in a good place with your sleep and your energy, because that's where all your energy comes from. You neglect that. You're just going to fall into your old patterns time and time again. That's what I was saying earlier. You can have the best nutrition and fitness plan in the world, but you'll make some progress, but then you'll just be like, oh, I'll order a pizza. I'm fucking knackered. I can't cook. I'll order a pizza, you know, and then you lie to your coach, you lie to yourself, you know, you go back to your old habits. You'll have some progress, like I said, but over the long run, like two, two to five years over the long period, you're not going to be your best self. You're not going to make the results that you deserve or the results that you've invested your time in because you're tired all the time. Yeah. And yeah, what you're saying there is basically being tired, it's easier to make the wrong decisions. Spot on, mate. Yeah. yeah. In summary, yeah. Cool. And come here, one thing I learned about when I was doing your, your, your course and your programs, you spoke about chronotypes. Yeah. And that, that, I found that very interesting. And there was something that you mentioned like on a, where, you know, to order things that your actions or your activities differently in the day, according to your chronotype. Can you dig into that a little bit more for us and explain it? Absolutely. Yeah. So what I was saying earlier about the process being the same in regards to what the body wants to do, but it happens at different times for different people. So the basic core principle is, 30% of the population are morning larks. These are the people that can get up at 5 a.m. or earlier. If they're an extreme morning lark, they could probably wake up at 4, 4.30 when the sun comes up in the summer. Or, you know, they're waking up latest, probably 5.30. You know, in the winter, that's when their automatic uh, clock will trigger and they'll wake up. Now, the other side of it, 70% is a night owl. So these people will stay up till like midnight, 1 a.m. That's where their energy is in the latter part of the evening. They'll start to feel top. Tired around that time, and they'll be waking up about seven, eight, nine o'clock. Sometimes depends on where they are on the, on the scale. But if we're trying to fit into either schedule, so say we're a morning lark and we're trying to have a lie-in, or we're trying to, you know, push our clock later on the weekend, for example, because we think we need to, that can cause dysfunction because the body wants to wake up early, and we're forcing it to go back to sleep, and vice versa with the night owl. We have to get up for our job you know, at 5 a.m., but our body wants to lie until 7 or 8, our performance throughout the day can be jeopardized greatly. If we have the option to move things around, for example, meetings, most people have their meetings in the morning, but if 70% of people are night owls, their best creativity and productivity productivity time is between 2 and 6 p.m. So you'd make sense to have the meetings in the afternoon after they've had lunch and after their brain is one is fully fueled to their core temperature has been risen throughout the day gradually. So their brain and body are more active, you know, on a cellular level, they're more cognitive, cognitively in tune with the things that they want to say, the, the things that's coming at them in regards to information and they can think better. Most people will be like, Oh, I'm in useless in the morning, but yet they get to work in half nine, 10 o'clock, bam, they've got a meeting and they're like, man, I can't fucking do this. I'm shattered. They haven't woken up yet. Even though they've had a good night's sleep, that's your chronotype. doesn't necessarily mean you have a massive sleep issue. It's just your genetics. Now, over in the UK, obviously, we have the Premier League. There's been a study done with the Premier League footballers 
they actually perform better. They sprint faster. There's less injuries when they play at 5.30 and 8 o'clock in the evening compared to a lunchtime kickoff of around 12.30. So that shows you how many people perform better in the evening and how many people actually are, you know, are more functionable, shall we say, in the evening at that time. And these are elite athletes, guys, let alone just a general Joe Bloggs, you know, who's just going to a nine to five. And they've conditioned their bodies to perform at a certain time. There's the reason also why normal games on a Saturday kick off at 3 p.m. because muscular cell function is higher in the mid-afternoon than it is in the morning. I never understand people that want to work out at 6 a.m. I know, I know there's people out there that do it, yeah. but the injury risk is higher potentially because the core temperature of the body is still not where it needs to be. The body can't rise its temperature that fast because that's mimicking if it was ill. It has to raise its core temperature fast to fight a virus. It doesn't do that in the morning. We wake up, our core temperature is like around 36 and he wants to get to about 37, 38. It will take hours sometimes to get there. That's only a two degree increase max, but it's enough for our muscles to be, uh, you know, softer, more malleable and more flexible to avoid injury and ultimately perform better. Mm. So that's why people perform better. Same with the brain as well. So that's an example of a chronotype. Even things like testosterone drive and, um, you know, there's a reason a lot of men wake up in morning wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their testosterone level is higher in the morning than it is in the evening. A lot of time men, men want to sleep in the evening. And for a woman, it's opposite. So sometimes we're not in tune with our partner from this kind of a sexual level as well. So that can also cause relationship issues. But if we know how to optimize that and we know our chronotypes, which we do with our clients, Dama, you know this, we do DNA mm -hmm. testing to understand their chronotype. You can unlock so many things and we can plan their schedule with the people that we work with, like entrepreneurs and things like that. We can plan their schedule around when they're best to perform. And ultimately, they'll get more done in that kind of six to eight hour period than they would in a 15 or 18 hour period where they're sacrificing their sleep because they're just performing to their peak capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that would that kind of blew my mind when I was uh, when I was going through the course because I changed my business structure around that like if i want to get like creative mental stuff done for me it seems to be in like between 10 and 12 uh, in the day yeah. and what i've what i noticed was i could get far more work done in that two three hour window uh, than i would later in the day like later in the day i'm just all over the place i i'm more i'm better to do physical stuff like you know mm -hmm. like go to the gym train and like you're saying like obviously you the, the fluids in the body and you're warmer it feels better for me to train later in the day but if i was to leave tasks like a mentally tasks that required my mind to work even fucking now it's in the evening for me i can't even get my fucking words out <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously speaking is a hard task for demo <laughs> but if i was to leave anything after 12 o'clock to do oh my god like what i would have got done in two hours would it would take me five six hours and i'd be procrastinating on it and i'd be like i'd be putting ah it'd be just all over the place whereas if i tackle stuff not early early in the morning but that between 10 and 12 that's my like or 9 and 12 that for me is golden hours right there yeah man and i, yeah. and I it's true working with, with you with you guys that i figured that out and i was like okay well if i'm going to do uh, zoom calls do them later or do them before that time and I, I like i i that that's when i have the energy for that but if i need to be creative if i'm talking on a call my creative time is getting used mm. you know yeah. so it's, it's been good yeah. it's been really good figuring yeah. that out
yeah it's it's amazing how so many people are aware are unaware sorry of the time they waste during the day you know they think they're being productive but because they're doing things that are outside of their energy where they're not maximizing it and all it takes is doesn't necessarily have to have a dna test all it takes is for someone to go okay let me ask myself questions here when would i want to perform in the gym like i've done this for you like when would i set a deadlift world record in the gym where's my best strength where's my best creativity when am i in a flow state and i'm going oh shit i've got loads of work done here but you haven't really looked at the clock because you're in a flow state so just kind of pump the brakes and go what time is it and then be aware of that next time you experience that and go actually that like you just said that two hour period 10 and 12 i'm on fire so I'll block that in for busy tasks instead of eight till nine where my brain is fucking mush and I can't think, you know, and mm. then you're struggling, procrastinate. Oh, I don't have the strength. You know, it pisses you off. You don't have the mental clarity. And then in the gym as well, like you can't set a PB and it frustrates you because you're working out at the wrong time. Also ask yourself when you write a 2000 word essay as well. Like when would you do that? If I, if a teacher or, you know, or a mentor said to you, write a 2000 word essay, when would your brain be at that capacity for me it would be like probably similar to you about 10 or 12 you know latest i'd probably say 1 1 p.m mm. i mean right now over here in the uk it's uh 8 and I, I feel pretty good i've been up for two and a half hours now so you know i feel pretty good i'm talking quite fast my energy's there you know but in regards to the actual problem solving side i have to wait a little bit later for that because my brain isn't fully there just yet so that's where you can kind of ask yourself three simple questions and just gain a lot more clarity on your day to day. And if you do have the option to change it, please change it. I understand it's not the same for everybody. We, you know, not everyone's in the same position, but if you do change it and you'll see so many results. Yeah, absolutely. I nearly wanted to change the business model of my gym there for a while when I still had it. I wanted it because I wanted to come at it with this real health angle. I just wanted to abolish and get rid of all my 6am classes. And, yeah, six I, I know and like if, like not, not that it gets super cold over here during the winter but like there's winter miserable months and it's mm. just nasty in there and I, I probably I wanted to just do it for myself so I could sleep in um but you know I, I don't like to train in the morning but obviously I understand there's people that's the only time of the day they can get it in because of whatever work and kids and this that and the other but like we're saying here it's Basically, humans are just like diesel engines. It, it, it's a, it takes a bit to start them. And once they're started, though, let them heat up. But, and once they're warm, they're fucking good to go. But you know what it's like trying to fucking start a diesel engine in, in cold weather? It's a fucking yeah. shit show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah. Um, and taking us out then on to, we'll say, well, like, light and um and circadian rhythm it that's something that I, I speak about a lot on my like little snippets that i talk about but yeah you it's super important with sleep isn't it oh it's huge it's huge yeah circadian rhythm links quite nicely into chronotypes because it's the body's internal clock the master clock shall we say and like i said everything happens on a rhythm but it will happen at different times depending on your chronotype it's the body temperature rising performance in the gym etc but the, the chronological order of the stuff is the same person to person. So the biggest driver behind that, like you just said, is light. 
and you know there's a i think there's a study done in the united states 92 percent of people spend less than one hour outside every day in the united states i don't know how many people that was based on but that's what i've heard it was definitely above 90 percent. i think it's 92 but um that just shows how many people aren't getting natural daylight now i'm sat right by a window here and i'm getting good light on my face you know you can see that but it's still not as enough to kind of help me <clears throat> with my energy levels after this call, I'm going to go outside, go for a walk, get some proper sunlight. Even though it's February in the UK, and obviously where you are is lovely weather, it's still about, about 10 degrees over here, 10 Celsius. There's still sunlight out there. But people will get up, they'll go straight in their car, they'll go straight in the kitchen, then, then in a the car, drive to work, sit in a poorly lit office, and then go home when it's gloomy outside, sit in front of the TV. They don't see any natural light. Now, I'm not saying you have to you know, hope and pray that the sun comes out so you can get natural light. But if you have the option just to get 10 minutes in the morning, that 10 minutes will send a signal to your brain to suppress melatonin, sleep-inducing hormone, give you a cortisol release, a stronger one, in the morning. It will actually help you feel more energized. Now, the light signal, light pigmentation, will come in through the retina in your eye. And there's cells in there and cell proteins called melanopsin cells. Now, they pick up the light signal. And light is probably the most underutilized aspect of sleep performance because so many people spend time indoors. They just don't understand how it can affect them. But when, when this goes back, like I said earlier, biology and physiology haven't changed. Modern life has. Human beings are still the same as we were thousands of years ago. We're slightly more intellectual, of course, because our brains have shifted, but our body and our nervous system and everything else inside it runs on the same system. It's ancient, our body. And when we lived outside, we were, our sleep cycle was driven around the sun. You know, the rise and fall of the sun we didn't have any stimulation. We didn't have a laptop or a phone or a watch to tell us what time it was. If we were to put ourselves, even to this day, Damon, if I was to put you in a locked room and I was to only guide you by light, so I was only to allow you to have like a light inside that room, no clock, nothing, and it would rise and then it light the sun and it would go dark, your body would just base itself off that and it would fall asleep at the right time because you wouldn't have any stimulus, any distraction. You're driven by light. This, your skin on your body is driven by light, which is why people get suntans, because the skin reacts to the pigmentation and the light level from the sun, stores vitamin D, creates vitamin D, steroid hormone, vitamin D, you know, and it, it's the same with the brain. Now, the science of that is the hypothalamus in the brain, the center of the brain is perfectly in line with the eyes. So that's what we call the master clock, like linked to circadian rhythm, which is a 24-hour rhythm of the body. Scientific name is the suprachiasmatic nucleus located in the hypothalamus in the brain. So it's perfectly in line. So which is why sunrise is a perfect time to go out when the sun is not high in the sky, because it's a roughly eye level. The sun comes up over the horizon, get that light in, it's at eye level. It helps set your circadian rhythm for the day because your brain's like, oh, it's a green light. It's like a Formula One car. The green light goes on, bam, off they go. Your brain is the same. It's like, okay, now it's fucking daytime. Let's stop producing melatonin. Let's shut that down. Let's wake the muscles up and the brain and the body. Let's fucking go. Let's get this. Let's get after it. Now, if you're in a dimly lit room with a poor lux level, which is usually less than 100 compared to outdoors in the summer's day, where it's like 100,000 lux, you're just going to feel like shit. You'll get some light from your laptop and screen. You'll get some light from overhead, you know, your light above you, but it's not directly entering your eye in a strong sense. So your brain's going to be going, I'm pretty sure it's fucking daytime, but where's the light signal? Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, you're going to get by through the day. You're going to function, 
but you're not going to be at your best. Mm. How many times do we go away on holiday, just to summarise, we get some fucking sunshine and we feel amazing. We feel incredible. We feel relaxed because we get serotonin. We feel energetic. We feel like we can do all sorts of things. We go out in the evening, we party. And then when we come home, we feel fucking shit again. We feel lethargic. Mm. We feel stressed. We feel um, unenergized, uninspired. Yes, we're going back to our routine, which we're used to and we wanted to break from. But primarily, we don't have enough sun, especially here in the UK and in you know Northern Hemisphere territories. Vitamin D deficiency is rife in places like Scandinavia and Russia and Alaska and all sorts of places, Iceland. And that's, without a doubt, the most underutilized aspect, like I just said, of sleep quality. Light is everything for the human body. Yeah. And, and can I ask, Gary, would like, you know, where I'm living here in Melbourne, wearing sunglasses, uh, would that affect, like, is that, a, is that a, would that affect the ability for you to receive the light in a positive way or yeah it would in a way i mean you want to be getting the light in the morning of course ideally you you don't want to be wearing sunglasses but i understand in some countries it's just too much you know and you you do have to put them on because you literally can't see or you're you're squinting all the time and you know it's not good for your eyes but from a sleep point of view you you kind of want to be avoiding them between nine and 12 if you can. And then after 12, once you've kind of had that midday morning sun, mm. then you could probably wear the sunglasses if you wanted to, because that particular time from like 12 to four is when the sun would usually be at its strongest point, but you've already had the light coming in. If you're getting up in you know sunny Melbourne and banging on the shades at 7am, mm. you're still limiting yourself. Your body still doesn't know that it's light outside. It's like, Oh, there's a little bit of light there, but I've got black fucking tint over my eyes and it's not, it's blocking out that signal fully. Yeah. So we do need to be mindful of that as well. There is such, such things on the market now, Damo, as actual circadian sunglasses that you can buy that give you the option of um, having the harsh light, such as the blue light and the white light and the UV light filtered out, but it lets in enough kind of red, amber and orange light, colors of the rainbow, of course, mm. like to mimic a sunrise. So that's what yeah. the um, the brain will pick up on. It kind of wants that softish light initially, because yeah. that's very, very similar to the sun. And it doesn't want the harsh midday sun. Um, that's why, you know, we're not really um, best when we look up at the sun if we haven't had any light, because it's just too strong. Yeah. So the brain will just, the brain will just shut the pupils down and you won't get that proper signal in. Whereas if a sunrise, like everyone can look at a sunrise because it's not harsh and people enjoy sunrise and you're still getting that light in. So yeah, circadian sunglasses are out there for people who want to research them. They are very, very good. Yeah, Awesome. And, and I'm just I, I, kind of going back off, I'm going back to something that you said there. Like when I talk to people back in Ireland about getting out in the sun and it's not, <laughs> it's not sunny and it's overcast, obviously, even though it's overcast, it's bright. Yes, man. Yeah. So even even if you cannot see the sun, Gary, would you would you say it's still good to get out? Absolutely, mate. Yeah. On an overcast day, you can still get about ten thousand to twenty thousand lux. You know, and when the sun comes out, it's like anything north of fifty thousand bright summer's day is crazy off the scale. But yeah, you're better off going outside, even if it is cloudy and overcast, because you're still getting more light than you would indoors. That's the thing, like. You can go outside and that's where obviously the sun's going to be. It's not going to be coming in if it's an overcast day. It's going to be shining in through the windows, you know, so get outside as much as you can. Or, you know, look at a gadget such as a sunrise lamp that you can turn on in the morning, mimics the rising of the sun, isn't like a harsh laptop screen or a phone screen, mimics the rise of the sun over sort of a 30 minute period, 
based around the body circadian rhythm. They're about they're about thirty pounds for those listening in the in the UK. I don't know what that is in the equivalent Australian dollar, but they're a really good investment. I have one, especially for the winter months in the UK. It's miserable. We know you know the weather's like both being from the UK, so they're a very good investment. Artificial light, I recommend getting more because obviously it's not the same as the sun uh, from a, such as a sunrise lamp. About sixty minutes if you can. Um, if not, get outside, get twenty minutes of sun, and, and it's a game changer. Yeah, and you also mentioned there uh, vitamin D deficiencies. Mm. That's a big, big one. one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be a supplement I, I, I strongly recommend. But again, it's your body produces vitamin D. And you just you mentioned the word the, the steroid hormone. Yeah, can yeah you it do, is a steroid hormone. Yeah. Can you tell can you tell uh, tell tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah. So the body doesn't doesn't produce vitamin D unless it gets a trigger. So we can we can't have um, vitamin D just in our body. Like The body just doesn't produce it. It produces like other minerals in there from our diet and stuff. But Vitamin D, yes, you can get it from certain foods, but primarily in the quantities we need it, it has to come from the sun and the skin then produces it because it gets the signal. So it's a steroid hormone that is produced in the skin, linked to obviously immune function, better quality sleep. It's linked to melatonin, serotonin, tryptophan, all of those kind of precursors to good quality sleep. Um, and if one of them is out of kink, you know, usually vitamin D for most people, the rest of the process for sleep, the synthesis process is jeopardized. So the vitamin D from the sun is so good. That's why, again, why we sleep so well when we go on holiday, because we've had so much sun in the day, we, we feel exhausted when it comes to the evening. Um, and we, we generally sleep better. So um, vitamin D, and I'd probably say magnesium as well, Damo, if you want to supplement the two most um, underutilized subs. That the body actually needs vitamin d deficiency is huge worldwide i'm not sure the numbers but i know it's massive yeah yeah it is it's a it's a it's a big one and um i i recommend clients get blood tested to see if it's there or it's not over over here we have a company called ice screen um, that you can do private blood testing and you can just test your like you don't take the blood yourself you buy the test online and then go to a pathology and they'll send you out you know the the results directly to an email and it's, and it's fantastic. And then you can do that on a couple of months basis to see how you're altering it. Are you getting out in enough? Are you supplementing enough? It's, it's very good. Nice. It's very good. Yeah. Um, and just let's speak kind of when we're on the topic of supplements, like when it comes to the things people can eat or, you know, if people are out there suffering with bad sleep, like obviously get out in the, in, in the morning early, but can they do anything with their nutrition in order to help improve their sleep yeah yeah we we, we want to really be avoiding carbs in the morning um god damn the, the western world and the breakfast food that people consume is just awful pastries croissants you know fucking crumpets and all that stuff it just jacks your blood sugar up in the morning guys so what that means is when you raise your blood sugar level so violently in the morning yes you'll feel energized because you've had a hit of sugar you've had a hit of glucose and carbs but then you'll crash in the afternoon or you'll start to come down for a little bit lethargic. Then your body will seek the same food or a similar source to actually get you back to where you were before. So your blood sugar baseline actually becomes higher and then you become dependent on it over time. And throughout the day, that's going to cause your energy levels to dip and you know back and forth. What we need to really do in the morning is focus on protein, which will stabilize blood sugar. And then the same again in the evening. 
Now, we don't want a high blood sugar in the evening as well, because when we go to sleep, if we have a high carb meal, we'll feel sleepy. But we'll obviously, again, raise our blood sugar in the evening. And then as that blood sugar starts to come down again, as it dips quite violently, the body's going to wake up and it's going to have excess blood sugar and excess energy that it wants to burn off. So it's going to wake you up to actually get you out of bed and move. And it's the same if your uh, calorie deficiency is too low. Your blood sugar will be too low. So the body will again wake you up to go and seek out food. And that's why people who don't have their diet in check will have a lot of awakenings in the night. So one of the best ways we can stabilize that is to have protein in the morning, you know, eggs, you know, things like that. Even steak for some people, there's people I work with that eat steak in the morning. Mm. Crazy, I know, but eggs is, eggs is a go-to for a lot of people. Minimize the carbs. And then in the afternoon, then you can have your carbohydrates when your body's blood sugar is kind of risen for the day and balanced out. Have your carbs, have your protein and have protein again and a very, very small amount of carbs. Now, the reason being, if we have the protein, such as a good source like tuna, chicken, turkey, something like that, we're getting tryptophan from that. Now, tryptophan is linked to what I said earlier about the protein, uh, the synthesis of sleep hormones, vitamin D, melatonin, etc. Tryptophan is an amino acid that comes from that food. Now, to help tryptophan get to the brain in a better way, in a faster way, serotonin from carbohydrates, which causes us to feel sleepy if we have a big carby meal, will help move that tryptophan into where it needs to be. So the trip, tryptophan gets pushed on by the serotonin, then alongside vitamin D and melatonin, they're all ready to go for sleep. There's like the magical quartet there for good sleep. If we have a massive amount of carbohydrates, we'll probably go to sleep faster, but again, raise our blood sugar and we'll wake up or more likely to wake up. So the protein will help balance the blood sugar from the day it, and the serotonin from the small amount of carbs we have. So say we have like half a sweet potato we have two chicken breasts. That's a really good balance. And that will cause us to improve our sleep quality, especially uh, deep sleep. Our body will be rested more, um, go down into that sleep cycle properly like it needs to do. And um, it has all the nutrients it needs from that food to induce good sleep quality. So it's not going to have to worry about um, having to quickly digest, you know, white bread, pasta, um, high sugary food, high fat food. It doesn't have to kind of <clears throat> go through a cycle in the night where the core temperature is also being raised because more blood's being sent to the digestive process mm. to actually um, break down that food faster because it only has a, a finite amount of time whilst you're asleep. So you want easily digestible food, which will cause less disruption. You want a protein-based meal in the evening, protein-based meal in the morning. If you want any carbohydrates, and you can have them in the afternoon. That's the basic principle that I follow for most people. Of course, law of individuality does apply, but that's the way we can look at it from a macro perspective. I'm not a certified nutritionist, but I've learned that over time with yeah. sleep and how it affects the body from a sleep perspective when we talk about nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I, I, I've applied myself because that, that used to be me all over. Like, you know, I'd finish work in the gym late and like come home and that dinner for anyone that's from our neck of the woods is massive, typically. Like, you know, you'd have, that's the biggest meal of the day yeah. historically. And it, it, you know, I would wonder then why I'm not getting a restful night's sleep. Yeah, because my, my guts are working overdrive. Yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, everything's just jacked up trying to break that food down. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and I, I want to ask a question now because uh, this is something that someone raised with me. Shift workers, 
shift workers and sleep they'll be like well they'll be listening to this well fuck you demo and fuck you gary like i work <laughs> when everyone else is asleep and the sun is up yeah, when i'm trying to sleep so what do i do <laughs> yeah I, I resonate with that big time because there's so many people worldwide that shift workers and you know it's a horrible thing to go through but i understand a lot of people don't have a choice but if we work in night and day shift we can have two schedules which will kind of resort to in the need when our shift changes. And if we primarily work in night shift, we also need to uh, minimize light when we get in, maximize light when we are working. Now we're obviously gonna oppos- uh, have an opposite effect on our circadian rhythm, but the situation we're in is very unique. So again, law of individuality, everyone has to have that different routine. Mm-hmm. So for a night shift worker, when we get in, we want to be having maximum level of darkness for sleep maximum level of noise reduction so if you live with your partner if you have kids if you have pets there's non-negotiables for that if you're serious about your sleep you don't want your partner husband or wife coming over to you and saying oh can you do this before you go to bed can you do that protect your time have the conversation with them and i don't care if you have an argument because <laughs> if you're serious about sleep that's the conversation you need to have when i get in i need my five or six hours and then maybe you can have a nap again before you go to work Five or six hours is where you want to be. It's never going to be seven, eight, nine, because it's going to be difficult to get that during the day because you've just been working as well. So aim for five or six. Don't put pressure on yourself. Then we can have a nap scheduled in later on if we need to for 30 minutes to um, an hour. But have that conversation, get in, curtains drawn, set it up before you go to work if you need to. And then have a kind of a go-to thing, like an eye mask, earbuds, if you want to make sure you're not eating too close to the time you get home as well. Ideally you want to be eating about three to five hours before you get home. Now I know that might be ideal again for a lot of people, because that can be really early on in the morning. If you get in at 8am, you want to be eating at like three, 4am, which is crazy time to eat, but that's where your body is. That's unique position. Food and light will be the primary drivers behind your sleep quality in that scenario. So, make sure you have your environment set and your nutrition planned. Now, when you get in, when you get up in the night as well, you want to be maximizing light as much as possible. Now, not in the bedroom, of course, because your partner's probably sleeping next to you. So do your thing, get ready, have everything laid out so you're not rushing around in the morning. Go downstairs and get as much light as possible. Turn on every fucking light in the house if you want to. Get that light in, that light signal, because that will help energize you. Then when you get to work again, whatever you're doing, try and get as much light as possible. Either... If the sun's coming up or whatever time you're working, stand outside, get as much light, get as much light in the office, whatever you can do to get that light signal in. Now, obviously, the opposite is true when we get home, but that will help give you energy as much as possible. Now, I'd also recommend delaying your first meal after you wake up for about two hours, because if you put if you put fuel in the body too soon, you're asking the body to do too much work too soon. You've only just woken up at an unregular time for the body to wake up. So you need a gradual process. The primary thing you need to look for is water. Get the water in, get about a litre of water in. As soon as you wake up, that will help, again, energise your brain and body because they're 70% water. Muscles, brain, around 60 70% water. Get that water in, then have your nutrition later on. I'd recommend about just standard three meals. So have two hours, have a meal, have another meal at lunchtime or whenever it's fit for you. And then when you get in, or just before you get in, sorry, have another meal and then go to sleep. If you have a day shift and a night shift, you need to obviously live your life like a normal day shift. Then you need to have an opposite plan for a night shift. We don't want to be going into the night shift and going, fuck, what do I do now? 
you know, I'm on night shift tonight. I'm going to be eating at different times. You were like, right, that's my fucking go-to blueprint there. Yes, it's going to be drastically different to my day shift, but my brain knows what it is. So I can pull that book off the shelf, open it and go, yeah, there's my night shift schedule. I don't have to worry about it. It causes you less stress. You've planned it already. You base it around light and food. You're sweet and water in the morning. Then when you go back to the day shift, again, you have that blueprint that you follow. Never ideal, very unique scenario. The body is going to, is going to struggle, but we can do things to minimize that as much as possible. So I hope that helps all the shift workers listening. <laughs> Definitely. It, it, it's always thing I, I run up against when I'm working with people. It, it's so hard. My, my ex-partner, yeah. she used to do shift work and holy fucking bananas. Like she, she'd be okay for two weeks of it. The third week, it, she would crash hard. Like we would have yeah. arguments and everything. And looking back now and working with the, the relationship lady that we're, we had on last week, um, it's it all comes down to being tired, being exhausted, yeah. and you know she what she would always try and do is to have some activities during the day before she went back to work later that night and go to the gym and all these things. Fuck, like it's you're literally running on you're running on maybe four or five hours of sleep every twenty four yeah. hours. Yeah, wow, brutal, it, it brutal, brutal. So yeah. anyone that does shift work, well, fair fucking play to you. But as Gary said, like, don't do everything in your power to get good sleep uh, when you can. That's that's a non-negotiable right there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Protect your energy, guys. Hopefully, it will help you out. Yeah. An unusual question for you, and the only reason I'm going to ask you because it was asked of me the other day, and um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. Uh, mums getting up in the middle of the night to breastfeed. Okay. Okay. What, what, what can you do to make sure they you can get as good a sleep as possible, even though they're getting up because the kid needs to be fed? Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, it's good that if the mum's breastfeeding in the middle of the night, then that's really good because the breast milk at that time of the evening will actually have melatonin in it. Um, but a lot of new mums make the mistake of pumping their breast milk in the evening and then giving it to their baby, having like a batch and then giving it to their baby in the day. And then the baby's more wide awake in the, um, sorry, no, let me get that right. Pumping the breast milk in the day and giving it to the baby at night. And then the baby has all the daytime hormones in the evening. So the baby can't sleep. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So the body's in sync. So the milk, the milk obviously in the evening is going to have melatonin in it. So if you're breastfeeding in the evening, the baby's likely to go back to sleep a lot faster than if you were pumping in the day and giving the baby the day milk, because then you have all the daytime hormones, daytime nutrients. The baby's going to be like, whoa, I've just got an influx of energy. It's not going to obviously communicate. It's just going to cry because it doesn't know what's going on. It wants to sleep. Anyway, mom's getting up at that particular time is a very, very difficult one because you need to make sure that you kind of have a, again, you need to have a schedule and a, and a kind of checkpoint list if you need to, of things are that you need to avoid. So one is light. You don't need getting up and turning every single light on. I'd recommend having maybe, I don't know, a, dim, a dimly lit um, torch or something or a lantern or something, or maybe even a nightlight next to your bed. You know, we're not living in Victorian times. We're not be going around candle, but... The, the, the dimmer the light, the, the better, basically, is what I'm saying. So have a nightlight in your room or a nightlight in the baby's room if you need to. That's not going to stimulate your uh, circadian rhythm too much and throw you off balance. Also, temperature is important as well. 
because when you wake up your and your function your core temperature is going to rise slightly so you need to make sure that one the house is as cool as possible that will help improve your deep sleep whilst you are sleeping 16 to 18 celsius is where we need to be and two we want to make sure the baby's room is cool as well so when you're going into that baby's room they're obviously wrapped and swaddled nicely so they're warm but the actual air temperature the quality of the air they're breathing is denser so they're sleeping better it's not um affecting them too much and when you go in there you're not having to worry about temperature too much either because the air temperature is a nice and cool environment so when you do go back to bed your core temperature hasn't risen too much if you're going into the room the baby's room say 23 25 degrees standard room temperature that's enough for your body to think that it's daytime even though it's dark outside because your skin's picking up on that temperature and thinking hmm it's dark outside and i'm up and the room's warm so maybe I need to think about getting up for the day. And that's where some kind of confliction can come in and a bit of dysfunction. Then you struggle to go back to sleep in a way or your sleep quality is affected. Again, it's a difficult situation to be in. I don't have kids personally. The golden rule as well of having a kid that I've learned from talking to various people is just sleep when the baby sleeps. So many people don't do that. <laughs> they'll put the baby down, have an afternoon nap, then they'll do a lot of housework because they think, oh, I need to catch up on this. If you're tired, you need to sleep at that time. It's never ideal because sometimes it can be in a day. But when you do have to wake up in the night as well, then obviously your energy isn't drained as uh, it would be if you decided to do housework during the day when the baby's sleeping. Because then you obviously have to be quiet as well. You don't want to disturb the baby. If you're sleeping at that time, only with your partner, one of them can look after the kid, the other can do housework, vice versa. Just have a kind of go-to thing if you can do. And a, and a mutual agreement which is going to be hard because both of you are sleep deprived and mm. <laughs> you're saying about relationships, but have set that boundary guys, just set that boundary. Go right on this day when the baby's sleeping, um, I'll nap, you do housework. And, and then on this day, we'll both nap and this day, you know, I'll do housework, you sleep, vice versa, you know, have that kind of go to and just have it written on a calendar, whatever it is. So it's easy for your brain to just see it, not have to think about it, just see it and go, yep. Yeah, all right, let's stick to that schedule today. You want to minimize the complexity of things when you're sleep deprived. And I understand having a kid is very, very hard. So the simpler we can keep it, the easier our sleep will be to achieve. Awesome. Well, there you go. I, I, I threw a curveball at you there. Uh, you there did, you... mate. Yeah, that was a pro I had my bat up and everything. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Now, Gary, I, I just, I, do, you have a, do you have to head off? No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Good, good, because I, I, I do have another couple of questions I, I want to yeah, ask you. Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I'm coming at this now from um, a sports angle. Um, I've recently started jujitsu, and I, I do that in the, in the evening from seven till nine. Um, I cannot, like last night was the worst night. I cannot fucking unwind after it and fucking get my, I, I'll, I'll come home here. I'll put on David Attenborough, blue light blocking glasses, fucking lights all off in the house, fucking deep breathe, everything. Fuck, still can't just get myself to switch off. And like, I'll go to bed, I will be tired. Even last night, I was kind of dozing off there on, on, on the couch. But when I went to bed then, I found I, I, I just couldn't get to sleep. Yeah, it's hard one with that because um, it's the same, it's same for footballers, mate. When I, I mentioned earlier, the evening kickoffs, they're not finishing games till like 10 o'clock. And then if there's a away game, they've got to travel back. But the one one thing I've, I've done, I've worked with a couple of guys for the Milton Keynes Dons. Um, 
and on the on the like the, the lower side of it. But when they were traveling for away games, one of the, the main things that we did after training was have a very, very small carbohydrate meal and a very small protein meal. So like a protein bar and um, some vegetables or something like that, that, that they just had ready to you know eat there and then. Mm. Now the carbs will help um, reduce cortisol because that's what's been released while you're exercising because you put the body under stress and tension. Carbs will balance the cortisol. Protein will obviously help muscle recovery to an extent and it will also help um calm your body down because it's it's in a state of heightened core temperature it's in a state of heightened cortisol you've given it something else to focus on now because it's got to digest that food so it will try to bring your baseline back down slightly but it's not enough to stimulate your sleep i'd recommend 250 calories maximum if you're having more than that then you're like okay now your digestive process is woken up higher you know your um stomach is fully awake you know all the core temperature blood is going to the stomach then that can jeopardize your sleep because the brain's like hang on a minute now i've got to digest loads of food and a minute ago i was preparing for bed or i was preparing to wind down but cortisol is what's released when we exercise we have it's a very very different kind of release to if we were under a stressful situation if someone was pointing a gun at you your cortisol level would be off the chart but when you choose to do exercise, your cortisol level very, very gradually rises as you put the body under more stress. So it's not a sharp increase off the chart. It's a very, very gradual one. But still, it has to come back down when we've finished exercising. This is why I'd always recommend that you work out no more than four hours before bed. If you were, if you were going to bed at 10, six o'clock is the latest that you want to be finishing that workout to allow your body and core temperature to come down. But if you don't have that choice, I'd always go for a nutritional uh, meal, small basis of around protein and carbs 250 calories maximum even mixed nuts can be good for that because they've got fats um protein and carbs in okay no walnuts cashews all that sort of thing very very good to have now the second thing we need to focus on is uh relaxing the body now you don't you mentioned breath work Dana, which is great great for calming the nervous system down not necessarily that great for calming the muscles down now what we need to do in that particular scenario is do a technique called progressive muscle relaxation so PMR for short. So effectively, you start with the hands and the feet or just the feet if you want to. You tense your feet, curl your toes down, tense your feet hard, and then work your way up. So do your calves, do your quads, do your hammies, your abs, chest, shoulders, hands, fingers. You know, tense hard, release, make fists. And what that will do is it will open up the muscle cells, allow more oxygen in to recover. And it also help relax them. It's like when we have a massage, what the massage does is, is push blood into the muscle and opens up the muscle cells so it recovers better. But PMR is kind of our own way of doing that. And naturally we'll feel, we're, we're releasing tension as well. We feel more relaxed, we feel heavier because mm. we've got, we've opened up the muscles, we feel more relaxed. We feel like we are sinking into the bed more and we feel tired. And off the uh, other side of that as well, it gives us something to focus on. So when our mind is racing and all you're doing is thinking about clenching your toes down as hard as you can, you, that's the task you're focusing on. Your, your brain's not like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do tomorrow? What, you know, what do I need to eat tomorrow? Who's the client? Who's the stressor tomorrow? What's going to trigger me? All you're thinking about is that. And then you think about tensing your calves, you know, moving your ankles around, whatever you want to do. It's a simple thing to focus on, ground you. And it will also help, like I said, relax the body. So... 250 calories, uh, protein and carbs, quick snack, and then do PMR in bed uh, in complete darkness. If you want to listen to something, that's cool. And that's what I'd recommend.
Yeah, very good. That's what I'll be trying. Sorry, the phone started ringing there. It gets connected to my laptop. So I was like, this fucking, it's going to be like NASA, <laughs> NASA in a minute here. So I was like, click, yeah, click, 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 fuck off, you cunts. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, like that, I'll be, I'll be definitely trying that for sure. That, and I was even there, I was, I was stretching out my leg as you were talking. I was trying to squeeze my feet and you know, I do, didn't move up to the cab. I will 100% be trying that. Yeah, you can feel it big time when you do it, man. Honestly, do it about two or three times each uh, each part of the body. Really hold it for like ten or fifteen seconds. Release. Do it again. Do it again. Honestly, you'll be like, oh man, I'm knackered now. Like your body just feels so heavy when you do it. Yeah, it's brilliant. So good. Yeah, well, that's that. Yeah, because I do. I just feel like you feel amped after exercise. Obviously, and yeah, you, you, do. you, yeah, you need to get down regulated if you want to have a good night's sleep. So I, I'm enjoying. This new sport, and I'm enjoying participating in it. So it's I don't want to like I don't want it to stop. And I'm I'm going through this intro phase, which is ten weeks. And once I've gone through that, I can go to the earlier classes. So it's a small sacrifice for a short period of time that I'm willing to you know deal with. But if I can still make sure I get some what of good sleep after it, yeah. I'll be I'll be all about it. Um, yeah. and and another thing that one of the things that you've given me is a quick win with a lot of people and hopefully we'll just dig into it here now is you know scrolling on your phone before bed like i've shited yeah. about this so much and i've basically told everyone about it so yeah gary take it away like why yeah. is it bad <laughs> it goes back to what i was saying earlier about light being the, the driver behind a circadian rhythm so your brain doesn't know the difference between a phone screen and the sun. All it knows is the pigmentation that it's receiving through the retina in the eye, which I said earlier was melanopsin cells. Now, when we're looking at a phone screen, a bright phone screen is about 10 centimeters away from our face. That signal of lux is very, very high. Now, the brain is going to be going, oh, it's still daytime. It's 10 o'clock at night, but the brain doesn't know it's 10 o'clock at night. It's still daytime. I'm getting a light signal in here. I need to stay awake. Now, obviously, some people, it will go, they'll go, oh, yeah, it helps me relax. I've worked with clients who will read uh, things in the evening, news articles, whatever it is, and they'll drift off. You know, their eyes start feeling heavy. But the reality is they wake up in the morning, they still feel like crap because their sleep quality has been affected because the brain's had the signals. So the hormone production for sleep has been ceased. The daytime hormones have gradually risen ever so slightly. And then when they go to sleep, because they either they feel tired or you know they're just bored now, whatever it is, their um, sleep cycles are greatly affected, and we need you know good depth of sleep cycles. So we start in light sleep, go down into REM, down into deep, back up, so on and so forth. And the cycles are, are usually broken. If I'm tracking their sleep on a, on a device or whatever, or just in general when they wake up, the feedback they give me is, "Oh man, I still feel so tired." because their body hasn't fully recovered because they've jeopardized their sleep quality by sending that signal into the brain. And also off the side of that, it can be a stressor during the day because you're sending information into your, a tired brain from reading something on Facebook, social media, news article, you know, on the Daily Mail or whatever it is. You're giving your brain information that it doesn't want at that particular time. It wants to be limited on the capacity of information it's consuming. If we raise that, we can then create more um, stresses on ourselves in, when we're sleeping because we you know, create vivid dreams and scenarios in our mind that we don't even know about. Or we wake up in the morning and think, oh, what was that thing I needed to do? Because we've had the poor sleep quality, 
we don't know what it is because we, we are, our memory consolidation hasn't been where it needs to be because we've affected our REM sleep. So that will then create stress. And we think, oh, shit, I forgot what I need to do. I didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. And that's why sleep quality is so important. So we do have the capacity to wake up, memorize those things, feel good in the morning and limit the stimulus that we're getting from into the brain. So yeah, blue light is a killer, man. That's why blue light glasses exist. Just a side note on that though, I see where you are, Damo, the, the video, uh, sorry, the um, TV and the sofa where you are, sofa's actually quite far away from the TV, which is good. Now, I remember when I, earlier when I talked about Lux level, mm-hmm. like I said, I've got my phone here. So if I'm in bed like, like this, right, that phone is six inches away from my face. The Lux level is really high. But if I'm on that sofa where you are and I'm watching that TV, the Lux level is very, very minimal. It's actually entering my eye. My face isn't lit up. So for anyone listening to this who thinks, oh, I really like watching TV in the evening, is Gary telling me to cut all TV out? No, what I'm telling you to do is to stop scrolling in your fucking bed with the TV six, uh, the phone six inches away from your face. Mm. If you want to watch something to calm you down before you go to bed, make sure your sofa is as far away as possible from the TV. And that's not always easy for some people, but there are things that we can do. You know, I have my TV on my uh, on a TV stand, so I can move the TV stand around, and I've done that. I have a diagonal across my living room. I can still get a really good view of the TV, and the lux level is less than 10. It's actually entering my eye, which is nowhere near enough to stimulate me and actually make me feel awake. Now, download an app on your phone, guys, called Lux Meter, L-U-X-M-E-T-E-R, Lux Meter. Sit and watch TV. Turn that app on and hold it near your face and check the lux level. If that lux level is too high, over 100 is enough to stimulate you. So if you have your TV too close, that can be enough to stimulate you. If it's less than 10 or zero, fucking brilliant. That's great. You can watch TV. You can go to bed. That light hasn't reached you far enough to actually stimulate you greatly, like a phone screen would from six inches away. You can enjoy your Netflix show. You can start feel tired and you go to bed. You don't look at your phone. You put that in another room and you fall asleep and you don't have a disrupted sleep quality. You have a nice evening routine with your partner where you feel relaxed, a modern evening routine where people like to watch TV. And then, you know, you don't jeopardize your sleep quality. So that's a little tip for you there. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it works. And that's pretty much an instant win right there. You're, you're, yeah, your your sleep quality will improve that night that you try it. Yeah, because yeah, genuinely, like I said, light's such a sensitive trigger, man. It will massively improve it. Huge, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I feel, and when I was working with you, Gary, you made a massive point that a lot of these things that we do, if you have quite interrupted and bad sleep at the moment, it, it, like a lot of the habits and things that we will need to put in and implement uh, over time, it takes a while for them to actually have an effect. But that's, yeah. that, that one in particular, not scrolling on your phone before, but that is an instant change that, like, that yeah. you can do right now. And I think that's, that's, that's a massive one for a lot of people. Yeah, it's especially in the modern world when everything is stimulating and everyone's trying to grab our attention. We need to minimize that in the evening as much as possible. You know, we have a busy day at work with, you know, stuff to do with wife and kids or husband and kids, whatever. In the evening, that's our time. We're getting darkness, we're getting a good meal in, and then limiting light, and that's that's it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, it's awesome. Um, Gary, is there anything you think we've missed that we should touch on uh, regarding sleep? Oh, um, 
Nothing of great significance. I think circadian rhythm chronotypes, scheduling, light level, evening routine. Mm. Uh, I mentioned delaying your food as well. That, that same rule applies if you're not a shift worker, guys. Like, don't get up and eat breakfast straight away because your body needs that time to, you know, I wouldn't ask you to go out straight out the door and run. You know, you need time to warm up. Your body needs the same. To digest food, your stomach needs to open up. We can do that with drinking a litre of water in the morning hydrating our brain and body and just opening our stomach up then you know 90 minutes to two hours later then we can have a high protein breakfast needs to really be the biggest meal of the day to be fair if you're, if you're serious about your sleep and your energy throughout the day um yeah that's probably it to be fair um caffeine you know we could say that we need to delay caffeine yeah 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 that's the theory that that's the one yeah so i'm not a big coffee yeah i'm not a big coffee drinker myself but when people ask about that i i i, I don't think caffeine is a bad thing I, i'm actually a fan of it like it's it, it's quite good yeah. at, at at the right times but yeah what would be good caffeinating caffeinating station times that even makes sense. <laughs> yeah so the basic principle of caffeine is uh, it's a stimulant and it's similar to cortisol. When I mentioned we have a cortisol release in the morning, it actually helps us uh, feel awake. It, it gradually rises, suppresses melatonin. When we get that from light signal, the caffeine will compete with the cortisol if we have it too soon. So some people wake up in the morning. I say some, a lot of people wake up in the morning, straight downstairs in the dressing gown, the slippers, flick on the kettle, have a cup of coffee or tea. Caffeine comes in uninvited and the cortisol's like, fuck's going on I'm, I'm i'm here to wake the brain and body up what are you doing here put it this way they have a fucking fight they have a scuff okay none of them win they both walk away you feel like shit because you're like hang on a minute i'm supposed to feel awake now so you have another cup of coffee then another then another then another and you gradually try and increase that level of energy throughout the day doesn't work like that what we need to do is we need to allow the cortisol to do its thing because it's natural. Everything the body wants to do is natural. The more natural we can be, the better. Cortisol level comes in, wakes the brain and body up, goes away, done his job for the day. When we go through um, the transitional stage of like, oh yeah, I feel good now. Then you start to maybe dip a little bit. Maybe your energy starts to dip. Then you can have the caffeine. Then the caffeine has nothing to compete with. It has nothing standing in its way. So it has a more potent effect. So then, because it's had a more potent effect, we don't need as many cups throughout the day so we can look to cut back on the amount we consume throughout the day. And that's a big problem for a lot of people. A lot of people do consume way too much caffeine and then they have a sleep problem. Or they say to me, Gary, I can have a cup of coffee at 11. I can go to sleep at half 11 and fall asleep. Mm. It's great. Your, your caffeine sensitivity is probably zero because you've become so accustomed to having caffeine over years. It doesn't have as much of an effect on you. So you need more and more and more to actually have the same effect. But then again, your sleep quality will be affected, which is why you're in the position in the first place, why you always rely on caffeine, because you wake up and you feel like shit, even though you can get to sleep. You're, you're not going through correct cycles. You're just staying in light sleep. You're not going into REM or deep and your body's not getting the rest it needs. That's why you feel like shit. You need that caffeine to get you through the day. So if we have the delay in the morning of 90 minutes to two hours, again, same with the food, that's just a kind of a golden rule of, of how the body likes to release its hormones and how likes to kind of wake itself up in the morning. And then we can cut it off around, I'd say eight to 10 hours before bed, like between 12 and two is really where we need to be looking at for the caffeine cutoff. And if we've delayed it and we've done it right, 
we don't need four or five cups. I used to have, when I talked about my corporate job earlier, I used to have fucking six to eight cups a day. Cool. I used to drink the stuff like it was going out of fashion. And that's a big reason why I was in such a bad place. Now I have one, maybe two cups per day, max. Probably, I'd say four days, four or five days of the week, it's, it's one. I like to have an extra one, you know, on a weekend with the wife in bed and stuff maybe. But either way, um, I'm in a much better place. And a lot of people can do that simple win. Mm-hmm. Talked about simplicity. Yep. And that will greatly improve your sleep quality and energy throughout the day. <laughs> yeah that's that's awesome like it's um the old caffeine is great stuff and it can be used when it's used wisely but i feel like many and many other things even the the phone the devices that we have they're abused you know and, know and used you know and used in a smart way they can be very beneficial tools and they can be used uh to enhance what we're doing but a lot of the time, as I said, like they just get overused and then their use becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. Overuse, overstimulating, and that's when the problems come from. Absolutely. Time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gary, we've gone over the hour there now, pretty much. Um, <laughs> bloody odd. When I've, we've covered a lot of topics regarding sleep, but it, it boils down to like, boys and girls, anyone that's listening to this, you know, fucking fix your sleep. Even if you think your sleep is good, make it better yeah there's always things we can do guys make it better i'm still working on my sleep day in day out you know we can always make it better life does get in the way but we learn from it and we adapt but yeah like damo says if you think you're getting good sleep you probably aren't and if you um think you're getting great sleep again you can always make it better so 100 perfect and gary if people want to reach out to you and maybe get some help with their sleep where can they find you Okay, best place for myself is Instagram. It's where Damo and I first connected. So it's Gary James Allman, all one word. Allman as in the band, the Allman Brothers. I use that a lot for people. A-double-L-M-A-N, Gary with one R. Um, yeah, IG, my content's all on IG. So loads of free tips, free value for you guys. Um, and yeah, if you ever wanted to know exactly what I can do for you, then please drop me a message. I'm more than happy to help you out fantastic and i'll pop pop those details up in the uh, show notes of this podcast as well um gary thanks for being an absolute champion you know no problem yeah we've worked together loads and i mate, we're going to be working together in the future again i have no doubt um so thank you for being a guest on my podcast today brilliant thanks for having me on loved it cheers damo have a good one mate no worries giddy up